welcome back to In the Booth, a podcast by the Frederick News Post. My name is Jillian Tulsik, and I cover education. Once again, in this series of 16 podcast episodes, we are sitting down with each of the candidates for the Frederick County Board of Education. This is a much more crowded field than we've seen in many years, and there's been an unprecedented amount of money poured into the race so far. With school board elections across the country receiving more attention than ever, we wanted to ask each local candidate about the most pressing issues facing Frederick County Public Schools. Today, my guest is David Brooks. He is a mental health counselor with a practice here in Frederick, and he said that he would prioritize efforts to improve mental health among students and staff if he was elected to the board. Brooks also told me about his experience with and his passion for working with special education students. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. Check back for more over these next couple weeks. Don't forget, the primary is July 19th, and early voting begins July 7th. Today we have David Brooks. Thanks for joining us, David. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm good, thanks. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from a small little town right outside of Houston called Richwood. Um, Richwood, Texas is where I'm raised. Okay. How long have you been here in Frederick? I moved to Frederick in 2007. Okay. And you live up by Catoctin, you said? Yeah, yeah, up uh, behind Mountaindale area. Okay. What is your day job? <laughs> uh, my day job is uh, doing therapy. I own Brooks Weber Health Services, and uh, I do substance abuse and mental health work all day long. Okay. Have you ever run for any kind of public office before? No, never ran for public office. I used to help people um, back in college whenever I was doing public relations communications. I used to help write speeches for candidates. Okay. What made you decide you wanted to do this? (laughs) Uh, To be honest, I just wanted to help uh, children that were kind of like me growing up, uh, the ones that struggled. And whenever I saw things happening in our community, um, it just compelled me to want to run instead of just complaining. Okay. Can you be a little more specific and tell me about some of these things you've been seeing or hearing that uh, sort of compelled you to want to try to be part of a change? Well, um, the first thing that really gets to me is is that the, a lot of the teachers are feeling like the classroom is, is not being respectful. Um, they're really having struggles with disciplinary actions and behaviors. Um, I also noticed that, um, that this special education system uh, has been broken uh, within the DOJ uh, had did the investigation and some of the things that I saw come out with uh, restraints and and um, and inclusion I mean seclusions uh, really got me frustrated because I used to do that work for so long and so uh, I just felt that um, the special education students wasn't being addressed and then just seeing just mental health of students especially during the pandemic um, they were really struggling um, struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety, and even teachers were even struggling also. So um, these are things that I know that I can come in and help repair. So um, that's kind of the reason why I started. All right. What issues are you focusing on in your campaign? Like when you're out there talking to voters, what are the kind of priorities that you're listing out about 
what you would do if you were elected or, or just what you're focusing on as you run this campaign? Well, uh, the main thing is, is just get education back down to the basics. I, I think we've gotten to the point where where we're so focused on everything else besides just teaching children. Uh, I used to be a school teacher, and and I remember uh, all of the the um, all of the things that that schools have started to uh, um, pay attention to that are so that are causing the teachers to have an extreme workload, and uh, it's getting to the point where they're barely able to teach the subject that they are in 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 that role to do because they're. There's just so many different um, objectives that they have to meet, and and I think that the children's outcomes aren't what they need to be, um, um, especially with with special education. I really, I'm really wanting the the I'm really wanting the staff to be better trained, especially substitutes. I think that that they keep throwing substitutes into these rooms and and they're with special education students and they're not uh, trained enough to be there. So when you if you look at the mental health of a special a special ed student, um, they could be triggered by anything. Anything could trigger them. And so if you have people who are untrained in in triggering, um, ultimately that child will will ultimately have very extreme behaviors. And so I really want to um, uh, increase the pay for substitutes when they're trained to work with uh, special education students. Um, but don't get me wrong, classroom size is a problem um, because when you have students, uh, too many students in a class, it's hard for a teacher to have proximity um, for all students. And so when you don't have uh, close proximity to students, behaviors then increase. Uh, so these are, uh, and, and, and just mental health and substance abuse. I mean, we're starting to see teachers starting to uh, use substances to deal with stress. Um, um, I've had teachers um, that came into my office that that are doing uh, either, you know, alcohol or other substances just to to deal with the day to day stresses that they had, especially during COVID. That was a really bad time for teachers. And so I think that mental health is 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 very paramount uh, with working with these these um, with the school system. You mentioned a couple times that you had a background as a school teacher, and then you said something about working with special ed kids. Um, yeah. Can you tell me about what your background is in education, what experience you have there? All right. So I, I was a teacher for about three, four years um, uh, when I first got out of college. Um, and then I went on to get my master's uh, in educational and clinical counseling. So um, from there, I went to uh, start uh, I was a behavioral health specialist and consultant, so I used to work uh, in the public and I used to work at, at in schools to work with uh, kids that are kids or young adults that uh, had autism or Asperger's or just uh, any type of intellectual disability. So I was the one that used to go in and train um, staff on when to uh, seclude a child or when to restrain them. Okay. So since we're talking about it, um, I want to ask you about the DOJ investigation 
and if you are elected, what kinds of steps you might take uh, to sort of continue to navigate the impact of that and any changes that you might try to enact in the area of special ed. You've mentioned training, but I was wondering if we could just kind of drill down into some more specific ideas you might have. Well, I, I mean, the main thing is, is, is ultimately training is the number one problem in that um, because when staff are not properly trained and also um, if the behaviors are not able to uh, um, be be worked um, that means that a teacher so if you look at teachers now teachers uh, I've, I've noticed that teachers are starting to be injured in classrooms um, with special ed students um, they've even brought up like cameras, having cameras in, in the special education classes because um, parents don't feel like their child is being um, uh, watched over well. Um, uh, all of these things are, are issues that are on the table. So um, I just don't believe that cameras are, are going to fix the problem because, um, I mean, they have cameras on buses and, and still behaviors are, are increasing. Um, but the good thing about about really working with special education students like this is that you have to really nail down the IEPs. Um, the IEPs are the most important. Like any intervention that you do with a child, you have to have it aligned. And so I think that they had a failure to really um, um, plan out interventions with certain students. Uh, I think that some of those students were just put in seclusion whenever they couldn't handle some of the behaviors. And so that goes back to training. Um, restraints. Restraints are only to be used when a, when a child is harmful to himself or others. Um, kind of like running out of a building or going across the street. Um, you don't have to restrain a child any other time than that, possibly. Uh, so it, it, it all boils down to really protecting the teacher in making a good decision, but also uh, uh, having different ways of, of handling the behaviors of an um, irate child or someone that, that is just triggered and their stimuli is just increasing. You have to be able to go in and do it properly. So if you were elected, you would be serving alongside Dr. Cheryl Dyson, <clears throat> who is the first new superintendent that FCPS has had in a really long time. I think more than a decade that Dr. Alban was in, in the role, and now we've had her deputy, Mike Marco, in the role for about six months. Um, so how would you plan to work alongside Dr. Dyson and, and work with the FCPS administration? And is there anything that you think the district could change or do better as it sort of enters this new phase of leadership? Well, I, I mean, I can work with anybody. Um, uh, I think Miss Dyson, I've I've read about her, and she's <clears throat> she's done a wonderful job in every um, facet that she's been in. Uh, all that I want to do is bring my expertise in into the playing field. Um, um, I think that there's seven members that are on the on the board, uh, along with the um, along with the superintendent. I think that everyone has to bring something to the table, something that they are passionate about, and and if we can truly um, um, work together, I think that's going to be the key. Is 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 just not with the superintendent, but all members have to be able to work together. We can't get to the point where we're 
um, arguing about things that are dealing with children. I think that we just have to be uh, open in conversation, be transparent in our in, in our um, focus. And, and I think that's one of the major things that she's going to have to deal with is, is the fact that um, parents in the community that doesn't really trust uh, FCPS uh, all the way. And so with that, she has to build a rapport back with them and, and allow them to, to voice their opinions. Teachers have to be able to voice their opinions because they feel like they're not being heard right now. So uh, if she wants to start with something, she has to definitely start with the communication line between teachers and then move to the parents uh, of, the ch- uh, of the students so that they can get what they need. All right, so that's actually a perfect segue into a question I was going to ask a little later, um, which has to do with transparency and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the the issues there between FCPS and the community, but I want to ask you about uh, transparency and communication between the school board and the community. So if you were elected, what would you do to communicate with constituents um, to try to make sure the board's processes are as transparent and, and easy to understand as possible. Do you have any ideas about how you might approach that or, or why you think that's important? Well, um, I think the most important thing is just being available. Um, we have to be available to have those discussions um, and not just in in a major uh, meeting or in a, a particular um, setting. We have to be able to create um, forums for them to be able to speak, especially parents. They have to be able to uh, say their opinion and and ultimately be heard. And so if we're going to be transparent, parent, if we're going to show that we are accountable to all of our decisions, then we need to be able to have small forums where we can get together and just chat. Um, because I think that's what the problem is, is that a lot of people just don't talk anymore. And so you have to be able to to talk in intimate settings and not just in a business setting. So you mean board members talking with each other or with the community? No, with the community. So like so let's say that if we just uh, individually set times for people to come in and ask questions, like after we've uh, um, been on the TV screen, they've been sitting, parents have been sitting home watching, uh, watching the meetings. If they have issues or they have questions about why we decided something, uh, why not set up small meetings where people can meet you individually and ask you questions? So another issue I want to ask you about is the recent um, community debates and discussions about the family life and human sexuality curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the basic contours of the issue. Basically, the these updates to the curriculum framework came down from the state. The, our local board approved them, and they say that these updates will do a little bit to help make the lessons more inclusive of all gender identities and sexual orientations. But then there's a constituent of people who are um, very upset by these changes. They say that they're age inappropriate and that the board wasn't um, transparent in the way that they explained it or approved it um, for parents and and folks who might have concerns. So can you tell me about where you stand on that debate, um, whether you've been following it? And if so, I'm curious, not just like what your opinion is on the actual curriculum itself, but on the way that the discussion kind of played out in the community and, and sort of the fervor with which people have been talking about it. Oh, man, that one there is a very sticky one. You know, I've I you can't 
be in Frederick County and not know that that conversation has been on the table. I mean, with with people um, being irate in board meetings, um, just posts in general on social media uh, have gotten out of control. But um, my my standpoint is is I think the community was frustrated um, because of the word identity um, uh, and identify. Um, whenever you say that you're going to identify something, I think that that people wanted to know exactly what do you mean by identify? Are you going through and 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 naming out all of the different options that a person has? Or are you just going to identify that people are just different? There are there are people who are different uh, in some kind of way and they have to be respected and and to be treated with dignity. Uh, I think that that because they did not come out at first and say exactly what that word identify is uh, or was, um, I think that's what got the the community outraged. But this is my opinion on it. Um, my opinion is is that um, uh, I work with um, many people who are going through uh, gender changes uh, and that that are starting to get on hormonal medications. Um, the doctors uh, normally send them to mental health professionals uh, to get signed off so that they can uh, acquire whatever procedure or medication. Um, my, f- my, my only and my paramount thoughts are that you have a lot of stigma that comes with that. There's a lot of stigma that comes with any type of gender conversation, sexual orientation conversations. And for me, I don't believe that there is enough mental health professionals in the school system right now to deal with all of the issues that are on the board right now. Um, uh, I had a son that was um, bullied in school. Um, It didn't seem like there was any type of help for that child. Uh, I was getting very frustrated at it. And so this wasn't even a conversation about sexual orientation. This was just a bullying situation. So if you take children at 25 kids per class and you multiply that by kindergarten, pre-K, you know, through third grade, um, you're looking at hundreds or even thousands of students. Um, When that discussion comes up and there's stigma being placed or children start getting bullied about their their thoughts and their feelings, um, what are what is the school going to do to compensate that? Um, what happens when you talk to a a a, uh, a, a student and you teach them uh, about uh, uh, gender identity and that child goes home and talks to their parents and, and tell their parents they want to come out and then they're scrutinizing their home? When that child comes back to school, what's going to happen? They're going to go up to the teacher and they're going to have the conversation about what happened. That teacher is not equipped for that conversation. So for me, if you're going to bring a curriculum like this to the board um, or to uh, to students, you better have enough mental health professionals in place to be able to have all of the conversations with that student. And if you don't, you are definitely setting them up for failure in some kind of way because there's a lot of emotion and mental health uh, issues that can come from being bullied or uh, ostracized in your community. All right. Well, switching gears a little bit here, um, another issue that a lot of board members and FCPS staff 
talk about pretty frequently is the issue of staff compensation. Mm -hmm. So teachers and uh, support workers, administrators, all kinds of roles across FCPS, they're consistently paid lower than they would be for a similar job in a neighboring county like Washington or Montgomery or Howard. Um, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that issue, if you see it as, as an issue, as something that should be mitigated, um, and any ideas you might have on how the issue of pay might affect the issue of retention and recruitment of qualified teachers. Well, um, I think that um, pay is always an important thing. I mean, when you start to get, when, when you start to want um, the top of the line teachers, um, you have to pay them. And so whenever a teacher feels like they're not being paid or compensated enough, and then you look at the classroom discipline or the classroom is not respectful, um, that even makes them want to run even further. So just like right now, um, this new school year is coming up. Uh, I've heard a lot of teachers say they are going, they're looking for jobs in different counties, Montgomery County, Howard County, even Washington County. And so for me, I think it's a, a, it's a big issue. So um, when you start to look at the budget, um, you can't just keep, keep paying for the same things over and over if the outcomes aren't better. And if we want more money, we have to get higher outcomes out of our children. And so what does that happen? If you have teachers that are burnt out, that are tired, that, I mean, look at um, most teachers are talking about how many lesson plans they have to put together. Um, they have to put together a virtual lesson plan for anybody that has COVID that's out, and they have to do a face-to-face -face, um, lesson plan also. So when you start to look at all of the work they have to do, plus they're working at home uh, in their free time to get all of their job, their workload complete, we're even talking about they're making even less money. So I think that if you're going to per se not pay them exactly what is the status quo around the, the state or, or neighboring counties, you better make sure that you cut their workload down to the point where they don't feel like they are overwhelmed and burned out. So I truly believe that we got to figure out how to and 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 just support staff. Support staff are struggling. Front desk often. I've gotten more conversations from people who are working in front staff that are saying that they are way overworked and they're not even really compensated because they were, I think they just got a raise, but most of them say their insurance uh, got raised also, so they don't even get a chance to even see the raise. <clears throat> well, speaking of staffing, another interesting topic that has come up at, at some board meetings this past year has been the issue of staff racial and ethnic demographics and how it doesn't mirror the community of students. So our student population pretty much mirrors the county population, um, but the teaching staff is a lot less diverse, a lot more white than that. Um, so there have been some talks of hiring a uh, an HR professional specifically focused on recruiting minority candidates and trying to sort of fill those gaps. I am not sure where they stand on that, if they're planning on doing that right now because they're still going through the budget discussion, so we'll have to see if, if that passes ultimately. But um, what do you think about that? Do you think that's something that's worth pursuing? Oh, I mean, for me, I grew up in a predominantly white area, and majority of my teachers were, were all white. Um, 
but I tell you one thing, I had really good teachers. I think it's more important to get really good teachers than it is to focus on on getting uh, uh, teachers that reflect a, a particular population. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, some students will learn better from from working with someone who is from their background. But I think that if you get really good teachers in general, no matter where you find them, um, good teachers and pay them well, you will definitely get the, the same outcomes. I think the problem is, is that that a lot of times um, uh, children that, that come from, you know, diverse um, backgrounds, um, like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, look how look how many Hispanic um, counselors there are in the school district. Not very many. And you have a whole lot of students that come in from from Mexico or somewhere in the South America that come in and some of those children are traumatized on the way here. And so when you start to want to to deal with them um, and, and help them uh, uh, navigate through our system here, um, we need more people who can uh, speak the languages that they have, um, that they speak so that they can feel feel like they are respected or feel as if they are are um, are a beneficial part of our our county um, so for me I think that it would be good to open up the um, the application and find different people in different counties to come into Frederick to teach um, but I would rather just find really good teachers no matter what race they are what background they have um that can teach our children because the outcomes of of it is the most important thing it should be all right well as we get ready to wrap up here um i want to talk about sort of the political side of this race um it's a very very crowded field this year we have 16 candidates um how has it been going so far navigating that and uh just as a first-time candidate for public office, what have you been learning in, in your conversations with voters? Man, I've learned that that um, there are people who are politicians that are running for office, and there's people who are concerned. Um, I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm just a concerned parent. Um, for me, I just go and talk to as many people as I possibly can. Um, I haven't really been focused on other candidates um, across the board. I just stick in my own lane um, because my my passion and my heart is is to change what I see. And and for me, I don't know what drives other people um, to do what they do uh, or why they run. Um, But for me, uh, I was that student that was in alternative school. Uh, I was that, that I was that student that had an IEP all the way through school because I stuttered and I didn't um, speak very often in school. I was that child that was molested at between nine and twelve years old, and everybody told me that I was just bad. And so for me, uh, I want to help that child that that ends up uh, going to alternative school or that that child who who gets restrained or secluded or gets kicked out of school continuously but not getting the help that they need because I used to work at the jail 
and and most of the people that end up in jail came from alternative schools. And so for me, if we can stop these children from 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 um, from their behaviors at an early age, we might help public safety in general just to keep kids off the street. And so for me, this is about passion. I don't know why other candidates are running. Um, I don't even care, honestly. I'm I'm running for one seat and one seat only. I'm not running against anybody, um, and that's just my 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 thoughts. Is that I just want to help that child that most people end up overlooking. All right. Well, what do you think it is about your skill set or your background that distinguishes you from the other candidates? I know you said you're focused on your own campaign, but. If you kind of had to sum up um, why you think voters should place their trust in you versus any of the other 15 candidates on the ballot, um, what would you say? You know, I run I've, I've ran my own business. Um, uh, I've I've dealt with with um, with with my own budgets. And, and I think I've ran a very successful business. Um, um, so I know how to look at at the future and plan for the future financially. Um, also, I've been a teacher, so I've been in the classroom. I know how it feels to be um, to have just all of the standards that you have to meet and and feeling like you don't have enough resources. Um, behavioral specialists, I've, I've done the special education. I've written IEPs. Um, I don't know what all of the backgrounds of every other candidate but I know that I've done almost everything in my personal life or in in uh, in business that would make me a very good candidate. Um, I mean, I have my background is I mean, my undergrad is in public relations communication. Um, so I know how to build rapport with people very quickly. And and that's all of the issues that are on the table, uh, I've had either training or education that would help me uh, uh, create a better path for uh, Frederick County Public School. All right, David Brooks, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me.